want to ask you to do something this morning. I want you to uh, turn to your neighbor, whoever that neighbor is, and say, I love you. <laughs> what have I started? Okay, that's enough. That's, a, that's enough. So, something I want you to have to, all right, children. <laughs> Calm back down, children. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. You cannot do that without a smile on your face, can you? You can't do it. It's impossible to look somebody in the eye and not smile and say, I love you. What if you were uh, one day face-to-face encounter with the Lord and you could ask any question that you wanted? Any question. What would that question be? You'd think long and hard, I imagine, if you just get one shot at it, what would that question be? And I'm, I'm, asked, I'm thinking that most of us, I think, would have some sort of notion of, God, what would you have me to do? What, get, show me your will real clearly. Now, you know, my will was I asked you to tell somebody you love them, the person next to you, and, and you just did it. It was that clear and plain. I, that was my will, and you... You fulfilled it. What if God's will was so plain to us? That, that, uh, that experience did happen to this man in this text. He, re- he asked the question. He also received a, a response. In this passage, Paul asked two very important questions. And those questions are, who are you, Lord? That's the single most important question in all of life. Who is Jesus to you? You could, I can say who he is to other people. I could tell, I could describe him and have all kinds of adjectives about who Jesus is. But at the end of the day, what really matters is who is Jesus to you, and that answer to that answer to that simple question determines where you'll spend eternity, Lord. And then what the second question is: What would you have me to do, Lord? Where where is your will for my life? Your will alone. Your will alone should be my my greatest desire, my greatest yearning, my greatest pursuit. Paul was told to go into a city and there he'd be told what to do. God's will was not hidden from Paul it was, and it'll not be hid from you. So the great question for us today, how do we know the will of God? Now before you can understand God's will for your life, you must understand how God's will operates. There's three ways that I believe that are pretty distinct to understand God's will. There's God's sovereign will. This is a decision that is always carried out and nothing in the universe is ever able to stop it. God is God and he accomplishes that which he wishes. God's sovereign will is mysterious and and known only to God. How many of you have been through situations where you had no clue, you were going through some tough times and you know how I had no clue about what God's will was but at the end of the day it worked out great, didn't it? Amen. Do we not know those times that, that you, don't, you don't think you know what's going on and God is still God? And then there's God's moral will. This too is settled and forever unchanging. Some things are right and some things are wrong and it really doesn't matter what society has to say about it. It's just that's God's will. The moral will can be revealed through the word of God 
and the conscience of humanity. That's an important part of that. Paul, in uh, the first three chapters of Romans, when he gets up to the great crescendo of that section of Scripture, the third, the third chapter, he gets to, to the point where he says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But so he's, he's, he's talking to Jews and Gentiles. Jews who are the ones of the law, and then there's also just those that were not of the law. And Paul just covers them all. In the fact that, in other words, there is a human conscious. God's particular will. Now God has a particular will that's peculiar only to you. And that varies from saint to saint. For every person here, I believe, if you reflect on it a few minutes, you'll see at least three parts of God's will working in your life at any given time. It was God's sovereign will that you be called from a world of sin and shame to a life of salvation and glory. That's always God's will. God is always reaching out to God's people that you may know, know the power of God. It is God's moral will that will cause you to stop doing those things that are destructive. For the wages of sin is still death. The wages of sin will take you down. So, so it's always God's will to stop putting those things that are between you and God. It was and he is his particular will that for my life that I become a preacher of the gospel. You, you must fill in the blank for you as you ask the question that God is calling you into your ministry, into what you're called to do. Even though you and I are such small parts of God's vast creations and our lives may seem very insignificant. But I assure you God knows you. I assure you that God loves you. God knows the hairs of your head and they are numbered and known by him. And as a result then God has designed a plan that is unique to you. He's promised to reveal it. He's promised to guide you into it. And before we get into that I want to, I want to mention some myths about God's will. Myth number one that God will give you a road map. God, God does not give road maps. He gives relationships. As you follow him, he will reveal to you as you know him more fully. As you relate to God, commune with God, walk with God day in and day out. God will bring people into your lives. God will have that relationship that his will will be revealed. Because a road map just turns in to a bunch of do's and don'ts. Turn right here, turn left here, go straight ahead here. That, that's not God's way. God doesn't want you to have fun. That's another myth. I think I pretty much proved that, haven't I? <laughs> God is not a cosmic killjoy. That is, if you surrender to do his will, you'll have a hard and un unhappy life. Many are afraid of his will, that they're afraid of what, what God might ask him to do. What, what, what might God might ask us to do. If we put ourselves in God's place, how do you treat your children? Would you ask them to do something that's not in their best interest? You, you try to direct your children in the paths that they should go. You try to keep them from harmful things and lead them into positive things. Amen? Amen? Surely God is even better than us. Surely God is the ultimate parent. I'll add one caveat here. You know, most of the time, I just want to share this because I, I, I dare say it probably applies to most of you, if not all of you. Most of the anguished prayer that I've ever spent when I'm anguished, you know, you ever pray when you just really, you're really praying hard? And, and you know what I found? It's because I know what I have to do and I don't want to do it. 
Anybody ever anguish like that? Oh, preacher, I'm praying about it. Yeah, you're right. You already know what God's called you to do. You're just wasting time. You're just wasting time because you don't want to do it. Now, I don't know if that applies to you all, but it does to me. And another myth I want to mention, God only speaks to a certain few holy people. Well, that's not true. He just doesn't speak to the Pauls and Wesleys and Grahams. He has a will for every saint of God at every level of commitment. If you choose to follow him and his will, you'll have a holier life. But he calls you where you are. God meets me wherever I am, whether I'm in knee deep in the mire and the muck of this world or whether I'm sitting in a church pew. It makes no difference. God will come to where I am and there begin to lead me and love me and have a relationship with me. Myth, the next myth, you have to wait on a Damascus Road experience. Well, I guess that's okay if you want to get knocked off of a horse in the middle of Inman, but that's not my goal in life. <laughs> that might be dramatic, but that's not normal. God spoke to Saul in the earthquake, but more often God speaks to us like Elijah in the still small voice that speaks to our hearts. Then the next myth, God only reveals his will to the young. That's a major myth. God calls people of all ages. He never stops using his saints. He never stops using his saints. Until he calls you home, until you, until you leave this world, honey, you are called to be a saint of God. You're called to minister to wherever you are. I remember Frank Brotherton once. He, he was a pastor that I followed one time and great man. And, and, but his mind, his mind got a little, you know, his little Alzheimer's or dementia, whatever. And, and, uh, and, but you know, he never lost his pastor's heart. Now he'd talk some foolishness about world events or some crazy stuff going on that didn't make any sense at all. But when it came to pastoring, he knew people, he knew their hearts. He, he, he talked as any normal pastor. And I remember they put him in a nursing home one time. And he said, the bishop has appointed me to the nursing home to lead them into prayer. <laughs> he did. And he did. He did. That's what he did. He, he caused them. They, they hadn't been praying there. They didn't pray. He got up at every meal and led that nursing home in prayer before they had their meals. So if you're sitting on the sidelines, I can guarantee you it's not too late. It's never too late to live into the will of God for your life. The sixth myth I want to mention is God's will is hidden from us and we have to find it for ourselves. Totally absurd. Would you hide your will from your children? How do they know what, what, how, which direction to go unless you lead them? God never hides his will. He reveals his will. He wants you to know his will. This is not a cosmic Easter egg hunt. This is something more important than that. This is God's way of directing our lives. There's probably more myths about it. That's all I have time for this morning. I want to talk about a couple easy steps to understand God's will. God's guidance is provisional. There's characteristics in place that the Spirit of God will reveal Himself. These traits, one of those traits, and I appreciate Ty even mentioned it in his prayer. He talks about the gift of repentance. To begin, it's repentance of our sins that frees our hearts. It's repentance of our sins that opens our eyes. It's repentance of our sins that sets our feet straight and clears our mind. How many knows when you're in the middle of sin, your mind gets cloudy? 
Is that a fair statement? Somebody shake your head at least. So, yeah, that's a fair statement. Your, 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 your will and, and all that you are is cloudy. You're not even seeing things clearly. It's repentance of our sin that frees our hearts and opens our eyes. And then be willing to obey God. What is God's will? Too often we make our plans. Now I don't know about this. I don't know about you all. But let me tell you how I work a lot of times. Or I have. I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I make my plans. I set them in motion. And then I want God to bless it. Ouch. To, do, to genuinely do his will, we must put our will aside and be willing to what God has called us to do. Can you honestly say, to answer this one question, wherever he leads, I'll go. You, you better not answer that question lightly because that question, the Lord will take you. Well, it brought me from out of the mountains into South Carolina. <laughs> I had no clue I was ever coming here. Most of you are where you are because you didn't have a clue you'd be right here, right now, this day. Display a spirit of meekness. In other words, be teachable. Have a teachable spirit. If you aren't teachable, if you think you already know, you'll probably never know God's will. If you're, you've got to be teachable. Be open to God earnestly, sincerely. Pray for God's guidance. Report for duty. Don't wait to be drafted. You hear me? Don't wait to be drafted. God is calling you and opening up doors right here in this church, right here in this community. There's opportunities on every hand. Don't wait for somebody to draft you. Say, preacher, I see a need over here and we need to fill it. We need to figure out how we can do it. And you spearhead that thing. You make it happen. If God's will isn't being revealed in your life, there needs to be some honest reflection about your relationship with Jesus. Because most cases, God is speaking very loudly, but you're just not listening. Say, out, preacher. <laughs> We're just not listening. Be yielded to God. As soon as Saul had a word from God, he got busy. Again, God is probably not going to reveal his will to somebody who's not going to do it, any, do it anyway. In all areas of our life, are you yielded and open to his will? Then you can expect God's will to reveal himself to you. Are you willing to do what God has called you to do regardless of the cost? And the next thing, God's guidance is so practical. He'll reveal to you it's in ways that are plain to understand. There's times when he reveals himself through miracles. Since Paul came, Saul became Paul through a miracle. But most of the time, that's not how it happens. Anything is possible, but that's not the normal way. Don't be waiting on a Damascus Road experience before you think you can, you can get to moving. God has called you. He's calling you now. Under, the, under my voice, he's calling you. God reveals his will through his word. God's word holds up to all of life's questions. When you're in doubt concerning his will, go back to the Bible because his will will never contradict God's word. This is God's primary way to reveal his way, his will. God reveals his will through his people. God, in this case, God used Ananias to speak to Saul. Never discount the counsel of godly people in, uh, that are around you. This is where the danger of pride comes in because of egos and personalities and, and all of those things that are so human among us. It'll cause you not to hear God's directions. It'll cause you not to hear other saints uh, delivering God's word to you. God reveals his self 
through his spirit. The Holy Spirit is in us. John 14 says the spirit will guide us into all truth. God has a big plan for your life. Do you know what it is? If not, be meek, be teachable, be open and yielded to God. Listen for his leading voice in his word that the Holy Spirit will direct you and he will reveal himself. God wants you to be in his will. God will never leave you in the dark. If somebody said, I, I, I'm only held accountable for what I do understand. There's things I don't understand. But my stars, if I just live up to what I do understand, I've got my plate full. If you know his will, are you following God this morning? You see, I suspect there's people here in any congregation that are struggling right now. What is, what is my purpose? What is God's will for my life? Where should I be? What should I be doing? What should I be in the, in the world today? And I dare say there's people struggling here this morning that has that question foremost in their hearts. There's no time like the present to simply surrender to the will of God. In any congregation, there's always those making those life decisions, struggling to know how God is working in their lives. But I also know that each of us will follow the God of the universe, that we will prosper in all that we do. For whatever you do in the name of Jesus will bring glory to the kingdom of heaven. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. God, we know that you have you have prepared a will. You have a sovereign purpose in our lives. And that's to redeem us, to save us, to make us whole. To bring us into fellowship with not only you, but others around us. I lift up that one that's here this morning. That seeks to follow you. That seeks to be teachable. That seeks to show up when called upon. I pray for strength and courage. To simply let go of who we are. That God's spirit will speak through us. Live through us. That we might be a reflection of the glory and the power and the honor of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.